Hello and welcome back to On The Scoreboard for another Ripper edition of Football Talk. I'm joined again by my co-host Jalen Hyde. How are you mate? Good mate, how are you? Very well. We've got another special guest on today for Football Talk, one of the most successful coaches in the Newcastle and Hunter region in Edgeworth Eagles FC coach Damien Zane. Yeah, a very successful coach, winning four consecutive premierships and winning three grand finals. We also delve into his playing career, including a stint over in Europe, while we also hear his thoughts on coaching and football in general, while we look back at his amazing success rate in the NPL and the memorable moments along the way. This will be part one of a two-part episode, so we hope you enjoy our talk with Damien Zane. I'm joined now by Damien. Thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you traveling? Um, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. i changed profession and become a teacher, but uh, yeah, other than that, there's been a few few fights going around the house but um yeah it, it's a weird weird time forever and um so yeah interesting mm-hmm. and at, at this stage of the year mate we'd all be settling into the weekly groove of football on our weekends but not to be at the moment so being a head coach can you shed some light on how you're going about this downtime in terms of keeping tabs with your players and making sure they're ticking over mate mate first and foremost i, I it's about you know, people, players, before they're players, they're people and and they'll always be so. So it's it's really just everyone's different and how they handle situations. So, you know, I know just in my house, you know, I, I love home. Um, I know my missus, she loves getting out and about. So, you know, I'm quite comfortable with, with it. So, you know, everyone's different. I've sort of left the football side alone um, uh, and – let the players sort of be. So I, I, there's been no checking up on, on, as far as the football sense from me. Um, you know, I'm in a fairly lucky position. A lot of our squad uh, uh, have been at the club for years or come through young age groups and, and you know who they are and their love for the game. So you just back that they're, they're, they're doing something themselves and, and you believe that and um, – yeah, when it's time to worry about the football, then we'll, we'll, yeah, concentrate on that. Yeah, yeah. And what's your thoughts on how the season can recommence and what would be the best plan of attack, do you think, or something you would like to see happen when football gets the green light? Oh, I think I think the plan um, that Northern sort of sent out to the clubs is is pretty good. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty much the full season. Um it does finish later, and that that throws up problems. There's there's no doubt. Uh, you know, as far as the first team level, you know, um, th- there'll be no crowds most probably. So, you know, clubs are u- losing a big chunk um, of their revenue through, through you know gates and canteens. So, you know, the payments. This is the, yeah, it, it's like the work. You know, a lot of workplaces. You know, they're laying people off, etc. We we can be a bit different. We're not professional. That you you know, players just have to take cuts, and and again, that sort of opens up a can of worms on you know uh, players. You know, not loving the game and not wanting to play. Well, it's not just about that. There's another side where players. You know, some players sacrifice working longer hours and making more money than they do at football. So, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, to just label players sort of, um, you know, as 
chasing cash and and that. I think that's unfair because you know I know how much time they put in and and how many, many sacrifices they make. So you know they deserve. Well, I can speak for my club. They they get what they deserve. To be honest, mm. you've got a very impressive coaching resume. But firstly, mate, I wanted to touch on your playing days. You played a lot yes. of your football here in the Hunter region, and I believe you made your first grade debut for West Wall's End at 15. How did that all come about? <laughs> yeah, that's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I went out to Westie, and with me, um, my uh, northern New South Wales coach, Warren Shipley, took over West Wall's End. And um, when I probably look back, um, you know, and this has helped, I've said many a time, uh, those who know me know I've got a volatile side too, which <laughs> when I coach for some reason, it hasn't really uh, really said too much. But, um, yeah, I was probably impatient and, and even even at a young age, you know, and look back and that's where I try and help players now. Um, you know what? Uh, you know, grass might seem greener elsewhere, but it's it's not always the case. Mm. Um, you spent some time with obviously Newcastle Breakers and Sydney Powerhouse Marconi. What are your memories of playing for those clubs? Uh, well, well, again, uh, you probably go to the Breakers and uh, look, uh, you know, I, I can easily say you know I, I was impatient, but you know, I guess I was ambitious too, and. You know, uh, I was w- looking at Newcastle <laughs> Breakers first team members and, and you know, uh, what they were getting paid and <laughs> and so forth and thought, well, do you know what? That's not the way <laughs> That's not the way forward. Um, you know, you're not going to retire off that. So, But I also look, you know, for me, the coaching back then and the, the style and, uh, you know, the volatile side in me um, – would probably have fit in in that day of age, but that's just not the way you're going to get the best out of players. And, you know, I, I left and went to Sydney when I was 16, which probably, um, you know, on a personal note, matured me pretty quick. And, um, you know, I never took anything for granted because I, I battled away working at Maccas and, and, and playing football, but it was an enjoyable time. I went to to Italy with Marconi and played against, you know, some massive teams over in Italy in the Via Reggio tournament. And, yeah, so that was – it was good good fun. And, you know, by the time I was, you know, 18, uh, you know, I was pretty um, hardened, you know. I, I, there hadn't been much that I hadn't seen by that age. Also, you had a stint in the Romanian second division. What was your experience and journey like at that stage of your career? I mate, mean, it was the first um, six months were going well, and then I picked up a, a back injury, and it was disastrous. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a free for all. It's, it's sort of how it is, and uh, till football gets that mentality of um, being cutthroat, uh, we're never going to be successful. Um, when I say cutthroat, I, I sort of mean, you know. With the success I've had, uh, you know, as a coach at Edgeworth, you know, if the next two years I came last <laughs> or, or my team came last, you know, I'd, I'd probably keep me job. 
you know, that's the personally, I'd walk away if I feel I can't make a team or I don't see the team progressing. I, I would personally sack myself, mm. and I, I just don't feel that that's that's our mentality over here. Uh, you know, you can go without being successful for a long time, and you still got a, you know, um, job. So yeah, that that was a, a really big wake up call. I saw a few of the golden generation bring up, you know, about relegation and players being comfortable, and they're so it's, it's so true uh, over there. You know, I saw I saw many uh, shady parts of the game, many. Great parts of the game, tough parts. Uh, yeah, I sort of, yeah, it was a real wake up. And I thought sort of moving to Sydney was a bit of a an eye opener. But yeah, definitely uh, being over there was was a uh, an eye opener, but a great experience again. What was the what was the move in coming back? How did that um, finish over there? And then you obviously came back to play in the MPL. What was that decision that you made there? Well. You know, I didn't really know what was happening in Australia, but, you know, and I still sort of, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. But, you know, when I left, there was the uh, um, NSL. And when I came back, the the A-League was starting. The, the reason I came back is I, I sort of um, I got to an age where I go, well, I, I'm not going to end up a, being able to retire at the end of this, so I better get back and... Um, get into work and get a bit of um, experience behind me rather than coming home when I'm 35 and, you know, sort of not having that um, not having that backup, which is, you know, another thing which I'm really big on with, with players is, you know, um, if they ever have, you know, HSC starting, uh, you know, you don't get punished for missing training. That's, you know, the bigger picture is football's not going to pay you pay your bills. So uh, yeah, I moved home in that that time. Just pretty much uh, it, parts of me regret come moving home that early because I I thought I was finally starting to find my feet in in Europe and and enjoying it. But um, yeah, moved home um, and just sort of uh, came back to Edgeworth actually and. I was working for a guy, Mark Lord. He, he gave me a job at a panel beater shop. And, yeah, uh, then pretty much when, when I moved back, I realised that was that was the end. I had no aspirations sort of um, – well, I, I, the way I looked at it, it was it's time to, time to work pretty much. So, yeah, it was, it was probably a sad time when I looked back because, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed being a professional overseas. It's yeah. good. Do you have a favourite memory looking back at your playing days, mate? Either like a grand final or a great game you might have had looking back over your career? Oh, there's there's a few. Um, I, I remember um, getting promoted overseas. I thought that was a great, great, um, great moment. Um, you know, probably the grand final with with Edgeworth. I think we. Um, well, Edgy had you know had a long history of being in grand finals and not winning them, and um, yeah, that uh, that was just a, a fantastic team we had and an enjoyable, enjoyable day. But um, yeah, nothing has said. I, I love the game, and you know, every game um, 
you know, I never took for granted, you know, and um, I think that's why when I finished playing, it was, uh, I've never, you know, you hear people talking about, you know, missing it. I, I sort of don't. <laughs> I, I enjoy coaching and mm. I realised, you know, that was the end and I don't want to play over 35 as they keep hounding me at <laughs> edgy to come down and play and it just doesn't interest me. I've, I've had my time playing and, yeah, enjoyed every minute. Yeah. So, yeah, as you mentioned, you come back to Edgeworth, but you retired in 2013 and then you became head coach in 2015. How yes. was the How was the transition there into coaching at an MPL level and coaching players you, you played alongside? Well, I started the last year of playing, I started coaching the 14s at Edgeworth and then the following season, the youth MPL started and I coached the under 15s and... I really enjoyed that age group under 15s and I actually thought, you know, could, you know, I could do this forever. But I, I quickly realised and, you know, to change things, you know, you can't change it from the bottom. As, as much as there's this big outcry for, you know, youth development, no, that's all right. Um if you concentrate fully on youth development, yeah, you're, you're going to produce more and more players, but where are they going to go? <laughs> you mm, know, yeah. you've got to create something, get the top, um, improve facilities. And I sort of, in that year, I took a team down to, to Sydney, the under-15s, and they played in a tournament down there. And anyway, that one, one of the mornings, I picked up a paper and I went, oh, FFA Cup, you know, what's this all about? You know, and Sydney FC were playing out at, um, at Denzer Park, they were playing Sydney United, and I thought, oh, I rustled, I talked to a few of the dads, we rustled up a few cars, and we said, let's take the boys out there. And mate, it was a fantastic night. We got in there, there was not 9,000 people, I think, there. It was chockers, it was great atmosphere. And I looked and I went, you know, how good's this? And, and then I started going, hang on, we paid to get in here. Like, this club must be doing quite well out of this <laughs> night. And at any rate, I watched them sort of broad meadow magic and um, they played Brisbane Strikers. And, and that's where the FFA Cup, you know, I wasn't even a first grade coach, but I started going, you can change your club with this competition. And, mm. you know, uh, the, the, you know, financial benefits, the status, um you know, so that's where sort of I started going, you know what, I can't change much at uh, at the younger level, but you know what, up the top I might be able to do something. So, yeah, that's where sort of um, the plan all started. But, uh, yeah, it was quite quite easy having played at a club um, and being a guy that prides myself on being honest and and, and – you know, um, I just pretty much put it to the players from day one. If you, if you deserve to be playing, you'll be playing. If you don't, or you know, I'm not going to put you in because I played with you. So mm. the players pretty much knew, knew me and knew straight away. Oh, I don't mind winning. So, you know, there was never going to be anything political or um, put friendships ahead of the good of the team. Yeah. Just quickly, you just said there about youth development and not being able to do it from the bottom. Obviously, yeah. the FFA have recently just put in that uh, 11 people system, including Mark Viduka, to help with Australia's youth development. 
Uh, what's yep. your thoughts on that briefly now being a coach at a very good level? I, th- I think it's great. So, so I'm big on youth development because, I, I, you know, but, but it's the opportunities. I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess players can go. See, so it's still a problem, but for, for me there's a problem. Well, where do they go? You know, oh, I've, I've got a problem, you know, with the amount of foreigners um, and going back to my experience overseas, mate, when you lose, if you're a foreigner and you weren't a standout, you are the first person they go for the press. <laughs> and um, I don't see that here. Foreigners come and, uh, you know, they're under no pressure at all, really. Yep. Um, I think that's that's a selling point for some of the better ones. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think it's cutthroat enough, you know. Um, and, and, you know, to be cutthroat, there's sort of – I don't know. There's got to be a system from top to bottom, and you know, um, yeah, is youth uh, development important? It is, but you know, for all that, you need you need one thing, and that's money. And uh, you know, I know there's a lot of talk on fees and this and that, um, and 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 rightly so. You know, I've. I strive, that's my end aim is eventually at Edgeworth, you know, can we have a system? It might be 100 years down the track, I don't know, where, you know, elite kids don't have to pay. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's a dream. Um, but but where do all the facilities, you know, where, where do all, how do we, how do you cover all those costs? I mean, everyone points to league and AFL, but they're signing massive TV deals and money's filtering down. Yeah. It's, you know, it's very hard when, when you know, um, yeah, it's pretty much funded from the bottom, bottom up. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I think it's great they're jumping on board. I think a big problem is, you know, I was willing to do all the tickets and that, but there's a lot of ex-players that just uh, don't want to do the coaching courses and, you know, I don't think – that's right either because being a good player doesn't make you a good coach. Um, hmm. But the fact is with, with time is, you know, maybe could could we make a C licence online so that people can get it done and then we might get, you know, even more football people into the coaching game. Going back to the 2015, 2015 season when you took over as head coach, that was an enormous year for the club, winning the Premiership and Grand Final that year. And it being the first one of many, um, how special was that year from the club point of view and your own point of view personally? Oh, it, it was. Uh, I mean, when, when I sort of talked to uh, Warren Mills, who's uh, sort of in charge of the club, uh, at that stage I said, you know, I want to take over and I want us to become a big club again. And he, he sort of looked at me with daggers in his eyes and I said, well, you know, we haven't won since, you know, um, the grand final. I don't know, when was it, 2010? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I played in it and I said, you know, five years, you, you're not a big cop if you're not winning any trophies in five years. And, yeah, we, we had a bit of a disagreement on that. I'm surprised I still got the job. But, um, yeah, that, that was, you know, straight away I, I just came in um, – and wanted to, to win things. And the playing group, to their credit, on the first day I think I said, you know, all I ask is that you give me 100% and, you know, 
take on board what we're trying to do. And, you know, I said, look, I can't tell you if it's going to work or not. Um, we might come first, we might come last. But um, all, all I can ask is that you give 100%. Um, and, you know, uh, I think a bit of um, the sort of culture we have today is a large part the players and the attitude they took from that day one. They knuckled down, they trained hard. Um, and, yeah, it, it was a fantastic year. When I, you know, when I look back, um, yeah, sort of I think it changed the game a bit here where people started sort of um, looking and going, well, we're going to have to work a bit harder and train a bit more if we're going to compete. Mm. Obviously, that same season you played Melbourne City in the FFA Cup. Um, you went down 2-1 that night to two Aaron Moy free kicks. What uh, were your memories of that game and that night? Oh, mate, uh, to, to be honest, I, I was really worried. Um, we, we had a, a few young boys. I, I was worried we'd be nervous. Um, but all the big games we played, these young boys, like, I would continually say to them, um, you know, you've, you, when you've done the hard work, I, you know, I, I related it to me at school. I said, you know, when the test time come around, you know, you know, I was nervous as hell because I knew I didn't do the hard work. Uh, I said, you guys have done it. Um, you should be confident. But me personally, I remember that game. I was nervous as hell. Um, I think I was trembling in the team talk because uh, – I was sort of going, geez, you know, this is great. We're on the big stage. What if we get pumped here? <laughs> so it was, a, it was a bit of a worry. But then the game started and all the nerves sort of, for me personally, went and I, you know, started watching and going, you know, no, these, our boys, are, you know, you believe that they, they're good enough to compete. No, you know, you know, a great night. We, you know, it was, it was so disappointing because we actually thought, if it had gone to extra time, uh, because of the stage they were at in pre-season, we, we actually thought we were going to win the game yeah. if it went to extra time. Uh, so it was, you know, it was also a time where we sort of looked back. We, we were sort of relieved to go, well, gee, we gave a great account of ourselves, but we sort of looked at it and went, you know, we could have won that game if it had gone um, to extra time. And Benny Smith, he's our goalkeeper coach now. He was the keeper on the night and he still – Lays claim to the to fame that he, he, you know, set Aaron Moy off on his <laughs> yeah. crack to where he is now. Yeah. He sort of helped make him. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, looking back, he's obviously gone on to great heights, one of our greatest soccerers now. And looking back, you'd think, wow, we got to play Aaron Moy and he scored two free kicks against us. Well, do you know what? It's quite funny because I still remember at half time saying, you know, um, and. and talking about their midfield. And, and when I think back, it was Eric Pardaloo, um, Aaron Moy, and there was a young guy that people didn't know much about, Stefan Mork. And and he he really played well as well that night. And I, I sort of looked back and go, that was pretty unbelievable, you know, when you look at it and the, the team they had and, and the performance we put in was, yeah, it was, it was a memorable night. That's part one of our two-part episode with Damien Zane on Football Talk. So make sure to stay tuned for part two. We hope you're enjoying the podcast and thanks for listening in. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or subscribe on your favorite podcast service to keep updated on new episodes to come. Until next time, bye for now.